Welcome to the Diving Pod. This is Christian Ibsen. So just in case you guys don't know, I'm a two-time Olympian. Uh, went to the Olympics in London and Rio and am a bronze medalist. Super excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, and this is Heath Calhoun. And I am Aaron Rooney. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by the wonderful Sideline Scout. Uh, Heath and I both use Sideline Scout. We have the Poolside Live set up on deck and it is absolutely phenomenal. It's the best video replay system that uh, that's out there on the market right now. A couple of chat rooms out there in the um, diving coaching world of, of what do we get? You know, there's apps out there that exist, but uh, Poolside Live is by far the best. So go over to Sideline Scout find yourself a, uh, a poolside live package. And trust me when I say this, it's the best money you can ever spend. You know, you get the slow-mo, the rewind frame by frame. It, it hones in on all those details and it's used at nearly every single major um, pool across the country. So go check that out. Awesome. So first and foremost, we always thank everybody for coming on. Um, Aaron and I have kind of been a huge fan of yours, Christian, for a long time, which is kind of ironic because I am a year older than you and Aaron is the same age as you. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember watching you dive whenever I was in high school. It was pretty cool. But, um, you know, tell us, and more importantly, tell your listener, tell our listeners about your career. Um, you were, you've been involved in diving for a long time. So where you were and where you are now. Yeah. Um, so I guess I can, I can run it back a little bit. Uh, yep. I think, I had kind of an interesting career because I feel like I, so I started off kind of like everybody, I was going to junior national meets and I was going to junior nationals pretty early and I wound up having a, a good amount of success in the sport at a really young age, like one of my first junior nationals at 10, I think it was the youngest person to do that actually. So like in the 13 under group and then wound up starting to do senior national meets pretty early as well. So I feel like it was kind of I mean, it was awesome. It was great, but it was definitely like kind of overwhelming. There was a lot of success that came really early. And then I, th I feel like for anybody that's kind of in that situation, it's like, you know, what happens after you make the first Olympic team at 19? Um, and then it's like, and you also do well and you get a bronze. And it's so I feel like there were so many different kind of like arcs and different things that were happening in my diving career. But I think starting off doing a lot of senior stuff really early, making the Olympic team at an early age was really interesting because I feel like it was almost two separate times where... I was this very intense younger kid that had very like very focused goals but then afterwards I had to figure out like really why I wanted to do this sport why I love the sport it's definitely two two separate times but all of it was awesome wouldn't trade it for the world uh one follow-up question here you were so dedicated like you said from such a young age how do you balance like school and being a kid but also diving at clearly the highest level yeah um I think a big part of this is like having a solid foundation. I mean, all the, these answers might sound cheesy and everyone always says it, but my parents were awesome. I think like you can get <laughs> some parents that are so, so overly intense. And for me, that is not what I needed because I was also a very intense kid. I was like pretty in my own head and I had these goals and I wanted to go to a good school. And so if my parents were also doubling that on top of me, I don't think it would have worked out. It would have been like pressure overload. They're like, you can quit if you want. Like, do you want to take a little bit of a break? And that's actually what I needed. Um, so I think that that was one of the things that was really helpful. Um, but also for me, school helped me to be able to compartmentalize and not think about diving as much. So actually when I was training for the 2012 Olympics and I stopped school, it actually was hard for me because diving was all consuming and I didn't have anything to like take my mind away from diving. So I was thinking yeah. about it all the time. And actually I do think it's really good, especially for younger divers to just be able to have some sort of a balance, whether it's school or another sport or something else that they're doing. 
So it's not the only thing that you're doing. Right. And it, you know, I could be totally misspeaking here, but I see the gymnastics world where, you know, you're so young and you're so talented where it seems like almost everybody homeschools. It's cool to hear, you know, did, did you didn't do homeschool, did you? Or, or what was your school setting like? I didn't. Um, I did not do homeschool. I just, and I didn't do practice before, you know, we were in Northern California. It was all outside pool. So that would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all after school. Um, but I mean, I did train a lot. Like I was training three hours after school and on the weekends and stuff. And there are definitely sacrifices that you have to make, but also for people that are homeschooled, I think like that's totally fine too. I think it's just a matter of you having your thing that's outside of sports. So you can kind of like turn your head off, do something else, take a little bit of a break, especially for a sport like diving where it's so you're so in your head all the time and it's so mental. Yeah. You can't think about it all the time afterwards or else you're going to go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. So, so Christian, so two questions, one kind of following up on that. What was your thing outside of diving that helped you get your head off, head out of diving and everything? it honestly, for me for a long time was school. That was it. Like I was right. very focused on two things. And I think that that was what was very weird also, which is why I'm so excited about this. And I know we talked a little bit about sport me, but I'm excited about that too. Yeah. Cause yeah, I was very ex- like specifically focused on diving and school. And then after 2016, when I was finished, I was like, Whoa, both of those things are done. Like, what is my identity? What am I doing? And I think a lot of people deal with that. Yeah. So that's why I kind of want to give, you know, support me and talking about giving back to some of the youth athletes and starting to think about, you know, like, what do you want to do afterwards? What are some other things that like you maybe are thinking about or, you know, cause not realistically, not everybody makes the Olympic team. And I was one of the lucky few that did and like went to a great college, but there's so many great things that diving gives you, but there are also a lot of th- cool things that happen afterwards. Absolutely. And then my last question for right now is, you know, like you had mentioned, you, you had a lot of success early on in our sport and not only at the junior level, but seniors, how did that prepare you for Olympic trials going through some really high pressure situations at a young age? What was that like having, did you ever feel that kind of pressure on yourself at a young age? Yes, I did. The, the first Olympic trials that I went to was in 2008. Um, so I know we were talking a little bit about the Minnesota meet. So it was all kind of like in that year. And that was the first time that I was diving more in like the senior circuit for the first time. And I just on it, the Olympic trials was a little bit different back then where they, it was like a selected group. They had a, it was more of a selection process and they had like eight to 12 people per event that they were in, that were invited based off of previous competitions and stuff like that. So I got invited last minute, um, and really didn't think anything of it. I was like, you know, this is cool to be here, fun, cool. Uh, um, and then wound up getting the alternate position, which I did not expect at all. And I think that actually made me put way more pressure on myself for the next one, where I was like, oh, this is an actual real possibility. And I started thinking about that at like 14. So, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so we were talking briefly before we got on air here, the uh, Heath and I are both been tremendous fans and it's kind of interesting that we're all very close to the same age. I met Christian very briefly at a 2008, I believe it is a winter nationals meet down in Minneapolis at Minnesota, where I'm from here. And um, I got the chance to just kind of shake his hand and, and be a fan for a little bit, just watched him and remember watching Haley Ishimatsu, just being in awe of these, these awesome divers. So it's kind of cool to, to bring it full circle, be able to have a conversation now. Um, but kind of moving right along here, tell us about your time at Stanford um, and then, you know, moving forward as well as uh, the Olympics and, and things like that. 
yeah. So my time at Stanford was awesome. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> definitely difficult. Uh, you know, there are some smart people there in case you, you haven't heard of Stanford, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it was, but I think one of the cool things for me personally was that growing up, I was always, you know, kind of labeled as like, oh, Christian, the diver, you know, that's kind of like what I was. And then you go to a school like Stanford and not just Stanford, but I mean, like any top level university and everyone has their thing. Like my freshman dorm right next to me was like a concert pianist. And then there was somebody that had started their own company. And like then the other person was, you know, on the basketball team. And it was like, there was a lot of cool. So I actually felt like, oh, I'm really not that important, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, which was actually kind of cool. Um, yeah. There were just a ton of successful people there. It was, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, and I mean, like, you really can't just from a diving perspective, you really can't ask for a more beautiful outside facility than Stanford's facility for the people that haven't been there. I don't know, but it's, it's incredible. And they have this new dryland facility that they built right next to it. That's all like in the ground and beautiful. And you can tell that it was like thought up for years by some super smart Stanford person. And it's like, yeah, it's just awesome. Um, Real but, quick, but before you go too far, I have uh, another connection here to Stanford. Um, Kathy Walker is my high school coach. So I coach underneath her and she's the camp director for Stanford swimming. And so when I got hired on as the diving coach, she's there taking pictures, looking at the facility. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this place is amazing. She has no idea how big of a fan I am of, of this place. And, and Christian, when you dove there, I was like, yeah, it was pretty cool. So Oh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, it, it was Stanford was an amazing experience would not trade trade it like, you know, I, I thought I was thinking while I was there, sometimes there are definitely some hard moments where I was like trying to manage the school piece and like trying to do the Olympic stuff and trying to do all of it full force. But like now that I look back on it, just it was a great experience. Perfect. And then um, keep going the Olympics and, you know, not only Olympic trials, but going to the Olympics, teaming up with, with Troy and, you know, the individual experience as well. Yeah. So I can, I'll start with 2012. Um, Perfect. I mean, even like kind of leading up to it, I think I don't, I'm sh- I haven't listened to all the different podcasts that you guys have done, listened to a couple, but the, the whole process for the Olympics is super stressful. And I hadn't been like this, the whole 2008, 2012 period was the first time that I had gone through it. So I really didn't totally understand the process of how you actually qualify a spot and how you qualify your country and kind of like the, some of the stresses and pressures that come on you for that piece, because, you know, everything for the, in 2011 in Shanghai, I feel like a lot of that pressure really started to get to me. And I actually, 2011 was like the worst year of diving that I had. I bombed. I mean, reverse was not my strong suit, but I was getting like twos on it every single time I needed to do it under pressure. And it was terrible. But I think like I started to get a lot of pressure on me because I was thinking like, oh man, if I don't dive well, then nobody actually has the chance to even go to the Olympics. And I think like a lot of times I'm really not a selfish person. A lot of this was like, man, it'd be awesome if I go. But then I started thinking like, man, typically I do this for me, but now actually a lot of everybody else's, everyone else's dreams is kind of, it's dependent on me and me and Troy. So it started to get kind of intense. I actually started working with like more of a sports psychologist to block a lot of that out and it's like okay just focus on you this is only what you can control all that type of stuff but leading into 2012 I think being at the Olympic trials in 2008 was super super important um just to go through that because it's in uh, the Olympic trials I think are more stressful than the actual Olympics 
you know, it's like, okay, you have a little bit of a mistake, mess up once, you know, I think about Chris Caldwell, he comes in, he does his gainer for nines, you're out, you know, like that's just kind of how it works and it, it, it's stressful, but um, the Olympics and the whole Olympic process was amazing in hindsight. I missed the individual event in 2012 by like 0.25, um, Troy and Chris, I was winning up until the 17th round and then I messed up reverse, surprise. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, so missed out, but in hindsight, I actually think it was really good for me because I actually was able to focus solely on the synchronized event, solely on four dives. It was my first Olympics. And I also, I mean, that's a lot of pressure. There was a lot that was going on. It was also Troy's fourth. So I did kind of feel this like pressure to, I was like, I think this is going to be his last one. I didn't know what Troy was going to do, if he was going to keep going or not. And he did. Um, but I was like, I really wanted it for him as well. Cause he had been so close so many times. So. So actually just being able to focus on the synchronized event was great. Um, I think the weird part about it. So London was amazing. The most fun Olympics. Like, I mean, I only went to two. I act like I've been to all of them, but like, it was just, <laughs> it was, it was incredible. I was 19. The competition was like the fourth day. The, t- the team was doing great too. It was like the first time that we had started getting medals again. So it was like Abby and Kelsey, Nick and David. And then we went. And so and every, all the synchro teams that were in it got medals. And then I was done with my Olympic experience. It, the competition lasted 45 minutes and then I was done and then had two weeks as a 19 year old to like have fun in London. So it, it was great, but also very weird. Cause I was like, Whoa, I've trained since I was like six, seven years old and been thinking about this moment. And you know, when you get into like that place in a competition where you're feeling really good, I felt great. I was like, this is going to go well. I know it's going to go well, but it's almost like you black it out. And then I was like, Whoa, it's, it's over. You know, I, that was my entire life and that was 45 minutes and now it's done so I think that that was that was super strange I can talk about like the road to London or to Rio and all that stuff but that was definitely like an awesome surreal moment also but also a very weird moment in my career yeah well and and I remember that uh that trials meet between you said it was I believe it was you Troy and Chris and Chris on the last dive it was it was intense. It was insane. I just remember watching that, like, I don't know who's going to go. This is crazy. And it was wild. So that was fun to, you know, kind of memory lane. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's actually like, now that I look back on it later on, I mean, that was like 10 years ago now, which is crazy, but yeah. I think in the moment that was what was, it was so difficult. Cause I'm like, man, I've been training so hard and I felt really good going into it everything was going well. And then I missed, missed by 0.25. And it was like, you know, thousands of points were on the board. That was pretty brutal. But then I also think back and I was like, that was actually really cool. And now I watch videos and everybody was standing up and it was like so quiet before my reverse twister, the last dive of the event. And it was like, that type of stuff is what sports are all about. Even if it doesn't necessarily go your way, I think it's still a memorable moment, which I'm happy. For to sure. Have. Absolutely. So real quick, Heath, sorry, I, I'm taking no, you're good. way too much time here. <laughs> Um, you mentioned reverse twister, the three and a half twister, not only on three meter, but one meter as well. I just remember you for that dive. Like that was your dive. Talk me through it. Where did that one kind of manifest and all kinds of other dives? I mean, I've seen you do triple out. There's all, you were like the first diver in my mind. I could be totally wrong. That did reverse three and a half twister. And then I think I saw a couple of double bouncing triple outs. Maybe you did it in competition. I'm not sure. Yeah. I started messing around with a lot of, a lot of twisters, you know, I wasn't a great flipper, honestly, like, especially in tuck. So I was like, I need to 
make up the DD where I can, you know, I was like, I got to compete with like Sam Dorman who's doing from four and a half, especially <laughs> when I took a little bit of time off. It's like, man, these, these kids are coming in hot. I need to step on my twisters because I can't flip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh reverse twister was always like, I, it was my favorite dive. It was like, I don't know, just any twister. So when I was younger, I actually, my neighbor from across the street, she used to be a gymnast and we would always mess around on the trampoline. And I never really did gymnastics, but I actually just self-taught myself a lot of stuff in the backyard. So we would truly just see how many twists we could get around in a backflip. And when I was like seven, eight, I was doing like back quad twisters. Um, And so I always felt very comfortable with it, but actually part of the weird part for me was like, I couldn't overthink twister at all like if I actually thought about how how it would work I would get kind of confused like actually truly for reverse I had no mental blocks on it because I I really had to think about how it worked because it typically didn't go well um but reverse twister I couldn't think about it it was mostly just like one key thing like on honestly just focusing on the hurdle and that was pretty much it but I did love like I loved it on three meter but I loved it on one meter I think towards the end of my career even more because it was one of those dives where it's like you don't have to think you just have to like really get a good hurdle and just go for it. And so I loved having it last where it was like, if I really needed something to pull something out it was a really good dive to have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, whether it's true or not, I think you were the one who made that like a stock dive. Cause now everybody does that's like everybody's yeah. last dive. Everybody, everybody has it in their list now. And I'm just, I coined that one, just the Christian Ibsen dive. I, it's gotta be. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I was going to say, um, I don't know if either of you have saw it, but um, actually there was a a 17 or 18 year old kid competed at winter nationals and he did reverse three and a half twister on one meter. Nick Harris. I did. I did see that. You're going to have to send me. I want to see. I will. I will send it to you when we get off here. Yeah. He competed it. And I was like, holy crap. I haven't seen that on one meter in forever, especially competed in a meet. Um, Maybe I don't want to see it. Maybe I just want (laughs) to back and be like i'm the only person that did it like <laughs> yours it, it just wild to see that like it's it's one of those few dives where when you see it done on one meter in my mind like i watch it and i go wait a second i think that was three and a half twister not two and a half and it's like you kind of have a double take um you know we've kind of already hit on some pretty big memories for you but when you look back at your diving career christian what's the one thing that like sticks out for you that's like your favorite diving memory that you're like that's what i always want to remember from this sport um yeah that's a great question i think that there there are a lot of them um but i think probably the biggest one for me like a lot of this really goes back it's kind of interesting because a lot of it does go up through the 2012 cycle i think going up to 2016 was interesting because it was more for me and i was actually really just trying to enjoy the sport and i was like you know i know i'm going to be done after 2016 so a lot of it was that was really just like more about me, like trying to get better every single day and just like push the envelope and practice. And it was more of kind of just, yeah, like me enjoying my time with my coach all like, um, but for two that looks so leading up to 2012, the process that we went, I was talking about Shanghai a little bit. And I think the most memorable meet and the most memorable moment for me was like, we actually were all required to go to 2000. Uh, so the 2011 summer nationals after we got back from, Shanghai and I was really not in a good place I was like I don't want to be here I actually need like three months off I'm not in the right headspace every single meet I was going to I was like getting super super nervous like not able to sleep the night before and it just wasn't good Uh, and I was like man the, the thought of going through 
another competition and it may be like not going well or, you know, messing something up. I was like, I just don't think that this is going to do anything good for my psyche. Um, so I actually, but we were required to compete. So I went prelims was not good. I was, you know, it was frustrating because I was typically winning senior nationals at this time and then, or, you know, towards the top. And I was like fifth in the prelim. And then I wound up being like ninth in the semifinal. And I'm like, man, this, this sucks. Um, <laughs> like, uh, it, it was just brutal. But then going into the final, I remember I had this conversation with like my dad and my family and they're like, you need to, it was all of them talking to me. It's like, you need to calm down. You really do. You need to like actually take a step back. All these things you're not going to realize when you get older. Like I remember we were at this dinner at UCLA and I remember them all kind of like talking to me, talking me down. Cause I was getting really just overwhelmed with it. And then the next day I feel like I went into the pool with a different mentality. I was like, you know what, I'm going to try some different things. I'm less focused on winning. I'm actually just going to go in more for like a personal growth thing. I was like, you know what, I've been training triple out or in practice. I'm like, might as well just try to chuck it, you know, and see what happens. It's like, I'm not like, I'm in ninth right now anyways. And, you know, I haven't been diving well. So maybe try to get some of these off in a competition that doesn't technically mean anything before I go into college. And then I wound up actually going into that meet and won and used triple out as my last dive. And it was like, I got eight and a halfs on it for the first time that I competed it. So it was like <laughs> those types of things I think is it, that's what I'll remember from the sport is like those times that were so bad and like brutal and just like mentally exhausting. But then when you come back for a sport like diving, it just makes it all that much sweeter. Um, and that was definitely one of those moments for me. Awesome. Awesome. Crazy. Okay, so clearly Heath and I looked up to you. Who did you look up to? Who were your diving influences when you were when you were coming up? Um, yeah, I think it's actually kind of interesting. I don't think there was one specific person for me. I think that there were. I always thought about it like each of these divers, even that people that I was diving with, had all the, like some skill sets that were just like so unique and awesome. I remember. I would always watch video of Nick who we competed against each other mm -hmm. all the time. Like Nick McCrory. And I was like, how is he ripping when he's technically like landing on his stomach? I don't understand. Yeah. You know, like he just had the nastiest rip and yep. it, it was so, so good. And I was like, so I, and he was also a great competitor. So I'm like, he yeah. really doesn't seem to get nervous. He looks at the leaderboard where I would have to like, you know, go into a corner, put like a towel over my head and not focus on anything. And so I really tried to take different bits and pieces from everybody. Um, you know, Troy, who I dove with, I was like, he taught me how to be a, a better competitor. Like I would see Troy not hit one dive in a practice. Don't, I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> but, then, like, but then you'd see something and I'm like, Troy's not going to miss anything. He's going to get nine, nine and a half on every single dive. So the same with David, like I've seen the same thing with a lot of these people that just made them great athletes and great competitors. So I think I took a lot of like little bits and pieces from a lot of different people. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, just kind of maybe a little bit more in depth on what was it like diving with Troy? How, how did he make you a better competitor? And, you know, what did you take from those opportunities to get the chance to dive with someone like that? That was at so many Olympic games. Yeah. You know, it was actually really nice for me being super young and going to a lot of these meets was Troy was at, like, at that time I was, I'm, I'm thinking back to, Rome, so my first world championships we got first in the prelim and i was like oh man we have a real chance of winning this thing but what was really cool about diving with him especially at that time was like he was just he was very clearly the best and he was very clearly like one of the top candidates or one of the top people that was possibly going to win world championships or medal world championships so for me diving next to him 
he actually would always talk to me like just land on your head that's all yeah. you need to do. like let's stand just stay in timing and land on your head and you're going to be good so i actually had a lot of these like stressful stressful world championship situations that he took a lot of the burden on from me for and i just right. honestly had to kind of like do the stuff next to him which was really cool um i learned a ton from him he was like the best competitor ever um he it was miserable diving against him and awesome diving with him like i hated you know even if it like it was a semi-final i was a little bit in front of him it's like oh this is gonna be so annoying he's just gonna get nines and everything and he's gonna like keep getting closer and closer but um <laughs> yeah no he's awesome how That's do you awesome. um how do you practice synchro and what does the timing look like for that i know obviously you were at stanford i believe did he train at texas yep he trained at okay texas. um so, so how I, does that balance work i would go back there a lot and he would come to stanford especially you know that's why i decided to take time off from school my freshman year it's like you know this realistically is not is not working out we can't see if we really want to contend for a medal which i knew that we had a chance for it's like we need to be training with each other way more often so we'd see each other every couple of weeks and then also with competitions we were going to all the world series meets and stuff like that so we started seeing each other a lot more and the same thing leading up to 2016 as well and then what's the process like to i guess assign a synchro partner you know troy's been diving for far before your time you know what was it like when it was like hey you know i think christian should be my partner how was that decided yeah, it was kind of interesting. We were going through, so at that time, they were doing a lot of like selection processes where it might've been after a, like a world championship trials or something like that. And then they would pick kind of like a certain group of people to stay around for a little bit longer. And then they'd pair, mix and match a ton of people together. Um, Troy and I was kind of, it, it was an interesting pairing, I guess, because of the age gap, but actually like for our diving and our strengths, we both were really good twisters. We could both get in the water. We weren't like, I'd say we, we didn't jump like abnormally high, but we also were both very consistent. So I think our strengths were um, super similar, which is why we got paired together. And also we had at that time, the list was pretty uh, like, I would say kind of where it needed to be. I would say going into 2016, we didn't necessarily have the list. The list wound up being more like front four and a half and we're three and a half, two twisters, but we were doing front three and a half gainer twister, um gainer and then like double out and those double were out, yep. our good ones and my, my gainer wasn't great but troy's is typically pretty solid so one <laughs> i had to land on my head and we would hopefully be being uh in in the medals perfect yeah well you you touched a little bit on um just dealing with some struggles well my question here was did you ever have any doubts and that kind of comes from just a youth perspective of was there ever a time in diving, you know, you were always kind of near the top. Was there ever a time when you were like, man, I don't know that I have it, or I don't know what it's going to take. Take me back kind of um, through the mentality of everything. Yeah. You know, actually I didn't feel like that going into 2012. I felt very good. I felt like um, not necessarily mentally, but I knew that like the skill sets were there with like the list that we currently had and just based off of the past performances with Troy and I at world meets. So I was like, I know that we can contend for something. Um, I think what was hard for me actually was coming back. So after 2012, I tried to continue training, went to world championships and I, 
I think a lot of people run into this where I just was like, why am I doing this? You know, I'm like, I'm training five hours a day, six hours a day. And I just went to the Olympics, had a great experience. I was like, I really, that was what I was like, I'm, I need to figure out what I want to do for my major in school. And I want to figure out what I want to do afterwards. And I also, I hadn't taken a break from diving for more than a week or two since I was like six years old. So it took almost a year off um, for like that 2014 timeframe. But then when I came, <laughs> but when I came back, I, I feel like even from 2013, 2014, there was a lot of stuff that was going on where people were just starting to do a lot of bigger dives. So like triple out, I was seeing way more often people were doing like gainer two and a half, two and a half, which I had trained a couple of times, but like it was not good by any means. Um, front four and a half, you know, inward three and a half, all these things. So I, when I came back, I was like, oh man, I, I need to step it up. And that was the first time that I actually started to kind of like doubt some of my skills. I also wasn't in shape. Like I hadn't trained in a year. I was like, if I want to do this and make another run for it, like I really need to get it together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think everybody feels like that. Like that's, what's hard when you, especially now actually with social media and stuff, like I turned it off going into 2016 because I was like, you look at everyone posts their best dives and everyone yep. posts like awesome. And I was like, I'm getting psyched out. Like I was seeing Jack Lauer. I mean, who, who is amazing, but I was like, man, I'm seeing all these dives that like his strong suits are actually typically not what my strong suits are. He was like yeah. doing inward three and a half, making it way above the board and front four and a half. And I was like, I can't watch this. It's, it's psyching me out. Um, yeah. I think everyone goes through that, but you just need to focus on like what's actually what you're good at and what's important to you. And like, I don't know. It's an individual sport, so you can't control what other people are doing. For sure. So uh, so now we're going to kind of jump into the thing I think all three of us are really excited to talk about, and that is yeah. uh, this, this new venture you've started up called Sport Me. Can you, like, tell us what it is? Tell our listeners what it is. I think I, Aaron and I have a general idea, and we literally called each other, and Aaron was like, did you see what Christian Ibsen is doing? This looks awesome. So um, tell our listeners and explain what it is and what prompted you to, to do this. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you guys are excited about it. I'm really excited about it too. Um, obviously, it's still kind of in its infancy, but the whole reason that this came about, like after, so I guess after 2016, I was actually considering um, training still. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm in a really good place. I wound up really finding the love for the sport again. I loved my coach that I was training with at the time. Um, I was like, you know what, maybe I can do it. Like, maybe I can, you know, get the list, do front four and a half, triple out. I really wanted to, I really, really wanted to get a medal individually. And I still think about that now. But, you know, I was actually like looking at all the finances. And for me, after I finished school in 2016, um, so like 2015, 2016, I was training for six months. And it cost me like $6,000 to continue training with medical bills and all these different things. And I'm like, I actually decided to quit for financial reasons. And I actually think a lot of people in sports like diving and actually just more non-revenue generating sports in general come to this situation where they're like, you know, I love this sport and I want to stay involved, but actually financially it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, like we have some stipends and stuff, but if you don't make a world team one year, you might be out of funding. So it's just difficult on a lot of athletes and I started talking to some different divers in particular and they're like yeah it's it's financially difficult even people that have made the olympics or gotten olympic medals and so what we're creating is a platform and also I mean coupled with that it's like for me growing up in northern california there actually was I was on a diving team with one other person and so I feel like a lot of information and is 
kind of siloed where it's like, I was just getting information from my diving coach and, you know, the one other person that I was competing with and didn't really have access to a lot of these top training techniques and even just kind of like mentorship until I wound up going to a senior nationals for the first time. And one of my first senior nationals, I remember talking to Laura Wilkinson and she gave me all this amazing advice on the pool deck. And I was like, this is so cool. And so actually that's kind of something that continues to push sport me along in my mind is like, I wonder if you can replicate this experience that I had with Laura Wilkinson on the pool deck at scale virtually. Um, so what we're creating is a platform where, you know, divers can get on. We're starting off with diving. Um, but there are a lot of other sports that are kind of in this situation too. You know, I, I think about like, I mean, there are a ton of Olympic sports actually that probably aren't adequately funded in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so you can go on. So like any youth athlete or athlete in general can go on, they can book a certain amount of time to get wisdom or mentorship or actually like with some of the top divers right now. So we have 11 people that are on it and then the divers make some additional revenue also from some of these mentorship session sessions. So yeah, it's definitely early, but those are the problems that we're trying to solve through it. That's, That's awesome. really cool. Yeah. So, so who are your athletes that are on it right now? Yeah, I can tell you right now. So we have Jessica Prado. Um, we have, so actually it's a cool mix of people just based off of like, it's mostly just my connections that I've had from yep. my couple of years, but it's, so Laura's on it. Um, Andrew is on it. Brandon, Los Chiavos, Steele, Sam Dorman, Mike Hickson. We actually just talked to David Coulter and got him on it. I mean, I would want to his brain. It's like, how are you, are you <laughs> doing what you're doing? Like, yeah. Like, right. You know, like if you want to figure out like how to overcome fears, I mean, it's like, let's talk to David we, throwing yourself we, on a 90 story building. Like, yeah. Um, we had Owen Weymouth on and we both were doing the same thing. Like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? It's absolutely insane. And it's like the, the preps that they're doing is like, they're doing their 10 meter dives and it's like, oh no, that's a prep. It's like, that's, you guys are out of here. Did, did you guys see the crazy dive? Uh, I think it's one of the Great Britain divers, Aiden. He did front quad with three and a half twists and i'm like and then i'm watching it and i'm like oh so he did triple out and then one and a half with a i'm like nope count me out no way <laughs> I, like, got that's a, nuts. I got a board at the right time that's for sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just wild yeah um but so, yeah we have a lot of different people on it right now and i also think that they all have like really unique perspectives too i think about like jessica who's coached by her parents for a little bit it's like thinking about, you know, how do you even navigate that dynamic where it's like, if you're a parent that has one of these kids, that's like super successful. And it's like, how do you actually like appropriately parent them and take them through this crazy journey that is like high level sports. And also people, you know, I think about like Cassidy Cook is on it and Steele that have gone through some crazy injuries, bouncing back from a lot of that. There's a lot of great advice that they can give to some of the younger athletes. Um, that's like invaluable that you really can't get anywhere else. You know, if you're just talking to some other people at your like school or your coach or anything like that. And it's also nice because it's more of like a trusted advisor rather than another coach. Yeah. Right. So can any young diver out there just kind of download something and you know, how do they get access to this? Yeah. All you do right now is you go on sportme.io. So like dot I O the two letters, and then it'll actually just pull up the discovery page and it's pretty easy. You can click on whatever athlete you want and then you could just book a meeting. All the times are up to date there. But yeah, it's been fun. I've had a couple of, couple of them so far and it's been like, I think it's a really cool way of staying connected with the youth of the sport, especially once you're done because like they, everyone has their coaches and stuff, but a lot of times it's like, you can't really 
I guess, like explain, um, if you haven't gone through it, it's really tough to talk to somebody about like, what does it mean to belly flop in, you know, the middle of China and, you know, like get 33rd place and then come back and like have to compete a week afterwards after you went through that difficult competition. It's like, it's just nice to have, be able to have those conversations with people. Yeah. That, that's all. And now would, um, would our higher level divers, past or current if they wanted to get involved with this would they just reach out the same way or how would they get in touch with you if say uh i don't know like i don't even know who a good example would be if that kid tyler downs about, yes tyler yeah. downs if he wants to do it yeah we would love to have him do it i mean i think that that'd be great i mean because realistically like a lot of the people that are going on it so far are some of the youth athletes and for me i'm kind of which is crazy i've been out of it for a while now people won't really know who i am anymore so they probably won't would rather talk to tyler downs um <laughs> But yeah, so they can just reach out to me and I'll actually provide all my information and my email and stuff and we can get them all set up if they're actually if they're interested. Perfect. I, yeah. I am pretty, I hope that uh, when this comes out, cause this will come out tomorrow on, what is it? December 22nd, maybe? I can't, no, the 20th. Um, I, try. I think you're, I think you're going to get a lot of people that are going to sign up for meetings, at least hopefully. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like the more the merrier. Like we're trying to figure all this out right now, but we think it's a really yeah. cool idea. And I know a lot of the athletes that are on it are also really excited about it. I think for me, that was the most fun part after yeah. like retired was actually giving back to the youth and helping them like come get over some of the mental blocks that they might have about certain dives or like competition anxiety. Yeah. There's so many things that I've learned through my 20 years of doing the sport and like collectively there's like 200 years of diving on there that it's like that we can get back. So That's yeah. awesome. I, I mean, I think it's such a sweet idea. I think about myself when I was, you know, coming up through the high school scene, if I had something like this to access you to say, Hey, Christian, I'm really struggling with front two and a half. I just can't get, you know, this going, what do you think about on front three and a half? You know, like it's not that you can relate, but at the same time, there are, there are things that each person can say, well, this is what I'm doing. What, what do you do? What do you think about? And that's always helpful to hear it from somebody who's at the top. Yeah. And that's what I think is, I mean, this is just kind of me now being in tech, but that's what I think is cool about technology is that like, you can democratize a lot of this information that might be more like siloed or just kind of individually just for you. I mean, I talked to a couple of people that were on this about like, when I was 14, 15, I went to this, or I went to this camp that Greg Luganus was at and we had a one-on-one, which was the coolest thing ever. Wow. We had a one-on-one training session, just me and him. Cause the rest, they went to a football game and like, I was too young <laughs> and go, my dad was there. And so we stayed for two hours and he taught me like all these breathing techniques that you could do going down the board to like it. And it's that type of stuff where it's like, okay, now I could, if anybody wants that, I can like give them that, you know? And it's like, yeah. you don't have to go to a senior nationals or you don't have yeah. to be at that camp or invited like it doesn't have to be as exclusive i think that everybody should have access to this information whether you're a high school diver whether you're a younger diver trying to figure out like even if diving is what you want to do like there are a lot of different types of people that i feel like could be on this so, yeah yeah I'm yeah i think it's like it's nice hearing you say that because it just harkens back to when we when we first started this aaron and i are like well i'm going to email everyone i can find an email address and if i ask politely the worst thing people can say is no thank you And, and it's really just become this thing where I I think the diving community really does want to share information and make everybody better. But a lot of times it's like, you just have to ask. And if you ask you, I've been shocked throughout our, this will be our 30, 33rd episode. And we're shocked at 
how much people are willing to give. And we're having parents emailing us and saying, this was awesome that so-and-so gave us this piece of advice. It helped my son or my daughter so much. So it's nice to hear like, that's, that's your goal. And it's, it's very similar. And we just need more people like that in the community. And I think we're seeing that now. Yeah. And I think like, that's, what's most exciting about it. I mean, I think it's awesome thinking about kind of like, hopefully maybe offsetting the financial situations that athlete, you know, cause it's like, it's tough once you leave college. And if you want to keep doing this, it's like yeah. rent on top of pool time on top of like, you know, if you do have to go to any therapy for whatever, if it's like, you know, sports psychology, or if you have an injury, it winds up costing a lot. But so that's one of the things that obviously like I'm passionate about because I know a lot of athletes that have been through that situation financially, it's difficult to try to achieve like a ton of success in the sport. Um, But the flip side, I think, which is really exciting is actually giving a lot of this information to the youth athletes. Like if I was, you know, eight, nine, 10, I remember watching even like, you know, when Thomas Fincham was at the 2004 trials, it's like, it would have been so cool to talk to him. Um, or, you know, Mark Ruiz at that time, who I absolutely yeah. loved. It was like, that would be so cool to yep. get on a 15 minute chat and learn about his experiences. Absolutely. Super cool. Well, we're going to get into our signature questions here. Um, we touched maybe on this one earlier in the program, but uh, what I like to ask is what's your favorite failure or just your best learning experience? And is it the Olympic trials meet um, on the individual side or is there something else? um you know that's a good question my like honestly i would say well my life one my biggest failure probably is actually not thinking about what i wanted to do after i finished everything um because that was definitely like i mean if there's any advice i can give to people that are in college right now it's like unfortunately diving does end it's i mean you know hopefully if with something like this, maybe people can go longer and they can like have a little bit of additional revenue and stay on for another Olympics or try to actually get to that next level, but it does end. And so I think that one of the things that I did not do was like try to plan for what happens afterwards and like figure out what I was actually excited about. And I I think I kind of became a diver and I was like, I needed to think about what I actually was outside of it. So that was probably one of like my personal failures, I would say, but people don't really talk about that that much. Um, I would say, a diving failure was probably, um, I would say, yeah, probably Olympic Olympic trials was like my biggest, oh man, that sucks. You know, like that, <laughs> you know, just because it was like so close, it was like 0.25 away, but it also made me really, really prepared for the next one, um, for the next Olympic trials where I was like, I know what happens when I get nervous. When I get nervous, I get really quick off the board and I screw up my gainer three and a half. And so that was what was kind of cool for the next time. It was like, I got eight, eight and a half on all my gainers every round. So, you know, everything I guess happens for a reason. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and that, that's kind of exactly why I asked that question is because, you know, in life, I see it as you win or you learn. And, you know, a lot of times we learn a whole lot more from when we don't have success and, you know, when you have those heartbreaks of, of, you know, fractions of a point in a 1000 plus point meet, well, it just makes you that much hungrier and you put your head down and you make sure it doesn't happen again. Exactly. Um, I think that that's what it really like those types of things, especially in 2012, I got a little bit of, I was like, this will not happen again. Like it won't, if I go back, it, it, it just won't, you know? And I think yeah. that that's actually like what actually makes failures good. You learn a ton yeah. from it. And also for really- sure over into just like life in general afterwards yeah 
Uh, well, my next question, I usually ask if you're in the club scene or you're a club coach, you know, what can USA diving do to improve, uh, from your perspective, just as a, you know, diving fan being a little bit removed from the sport for a couple of years, you know, back remembering what was it was like in your day as a country on looking, what can we do as, as the United States of America to just continue to improve, to can you continue to kind of close the gap between us and China. It seems like they're, uh, they're still kind of paving the way as far as it goes for just dominating. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty good. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I actually do think that I don't want to keep going back to this, but this is also another reason why I wanted to create something like this for me, because I do feel like sometimes people get to the peak of like what they think is their peak, but then they actually will leave the sport because they're like, you know what, it doesn't make sense for me to continue. I think about, I know you had Cassidy Krug on this, but truly in 2012, I was like, Cassidy Krug can compete with the Chinese. Like if she continues going, they, she, she is so powerful, strong, flexible, can get in the water. And that was really when I was like, man, this is like, somebody can actually rival these people. And I think she kind of had it in her mind, but it was the same type of situation where she had a second job that she was doing at Stanford. And, you know, they, the Chinese don't have that. It's like, they have a lot of things that are kind of given to them. They have like their place to live and they have like, you know, they don't have to think about some of these other things. So, you know, I don't know how that can, I think honestly just getting kind of creative and thinking like more out of the box or less, yeah, just more creative with like athlete funding or how we yeah. can get athletes the right monetary or I guess the right recurring income so that they don't have to worry as much about that and they can really focus on being the best at their sport, I think would be great. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that idea a whole lot. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so as an athlete, what was your favorite drill to do? It could be dry land water. Like if there's one that sticks out to you. Favorite drill. Um, you know, I actually really started to like doing reverse doubles on dry board. It's like onto the mats actually was kind of just for like spotting purposes for me it was always difficult for me to spot when i was thinking about doing it out of the water but it's like if i was in a belt reverse doubles was really really helpful for me started doing a lot more doubles when i started training with um oleg he was pretty intense with with dryland he definitely got me into shape a lot a lot quicker than i was expecting after i wound up taking a taking a break but yeah that was one and i would also say like i mean you see the chinese doing this all the time but like pike ups um on the rack with um with angle weights on like it was not my favorite that's for sure like i wouldn't say, <laughs> but definitely super super helpful like i wasn't super excited in the morning when i knew that that's what i had to do but it was very beneficial especially once you started to taper off of that and you were doing like backs and gainers you could just feel your leg coming up so easily that was really helpful awesome and then, so, and then what is the best advice you have either given and or received? The best advice, you know, I, the best advice that I've been given, um, actually was from Kimiko Soldati. Um, and I, this is also kind of like, she might not even remember this. And this is why I think, I, I don't know why I'm so, so excited about this idea, but she's told me when I was super young, um, cause my dad was talking to her and she's like, this kid is like, you know, kind of weird. He's like really intense. <laughs> you know <laughs> she's like diving is um is what you do it's not who you are and i think that that's really important for younger kids at that level to to think about um best advice that i've give, been given is probably or that i give is about 
competitions when people get really nervous in competitions it's actually just thinking about like you know looking back at this where it's like okay you know if if this doesn't work out your family is still gonna love you you're still probably gonna go to Panera for lunch after you know it's like there <laughs> win or lose whatever it's like it's honestly not that big of a deal and it's hard to see it when you're in it but also now that I'm out of it and looking back on it, it's like I don't remember a lot of the exact dives or like what I hit or what I didn't. I remember all the friendships yeah. I made. I remember like, you know, being able to travel around the U S when I was super young and like even around the world and like having all these cool experiences and less about, Oh man, I missed my hurdle on that front three and a half at that yeah. one meet, you know, yeah. so just trying to put things into perspective a little bit. Yeah. Those are great. Um, and then my last question is who would you like to hear us interview next? You can name as many as you wish. Ooh. I don't know. Have you, you haven't interviewed Nick McCrory yet. Have you? No, not no. yet. No. So he's one of my best friends. He was in my wedding. Um, also. <laughs> and I think like, he's absolutely hilarious, really dry sense of humor. He might not bring it out on in this, but he, he's great. Uh, I also would just talk to him for like 45 minutes about how he could rip. Truly. I, I still think like he had, he had the best rip I've ever it was seen. so good. It was so good. And he could do it on one meter too, which was, <laughs> crazy it's like how did you do that like I, I really so I just think that would be interesting um I'm thinking about you know my coach that I had um this last go around for the Olympic cycle Oleg Andrew is incredible he's just like I think if you're thinking about like a coach that just has the work ethic and the mentality that it takes to make people successful it's him you know he I remember for the Olympic cycle he would get to the pool at nine o'clock and he would coach me and Ariel and then he'd help out with the college team and he would um, do like everything for the college team up until 435. And then he would go until like 738 for, you know, the actual club divers and then like lock everything up and never like not once did I see him complain. Not once was he late. And he was like, he was just the best. So I think it'd be interesting to talk to him as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. before, before Aaron does our send off, Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's kind of surreal. Like Aaron and I keep getting to meet these people that we looked up to so much. And, and you, you've done a lot more for the diving world than I think you realize. And I'm really excited to see what you do now after being an athlete and how you're going to help young athletes and hopefully current athletes maybe change how we're doing stuff with our, uh, our Olympic hopefuls. Yeah. And it was, thanks so much for reaching out about this. Like I'm so excited about it and I love the community that you're building. I also think it's just good to have a lot of these different conversations with different people yeah. experiences. So yeah, yeah, I love it. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. of course. Well, anybody out there listening, uh, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod and our Gmail is the diving pod at gmail.com. Again, we still have t-shirts and hoodies for sale on cowingrobards.com. Just enter dive pod at checkout. That gets me paying for your shipping wherever you need it to go. Um, once again, thank you, Christian. Um, this was kind of a, a dream one again I, I feel like I say that every episode at this point we've had so many amazing amazing people but yeah you were definitely one of those divers that same age I looked up to you like crazy and that reverse three and a half twister just I'll never forget it it's it's the Christian Ipsen dive and now it's a stock dive so thank well, you thanks no thank you guys this is great and yeah send me over a hoodie I want one of those all right yeah that was just i was just gonna get a little more information offline i'm gonna send you something and um yeah we'll make it happen awesome sounds great all right we'll see you next time